I have met a lot of women over the years from teaching at conferences all over the country and even out of the country. And more than once, I have had women ask to speak with me privately. And by the way, just a side note, that always makes me a little bit nervous. Thank you for joining Keep the Heart for today's podcast with Francie Taylor. Francie is an author, teacher, and conference speaker. Sharing lessons from the Word of God is her passion. Now, back to today's important study. Just think about it for a second. Imagine meeting someone for the first time. They are a total stranger to you, and they ask if they could speak with you privately. Mind you, when I go to a conference... I usually only know about five people there anyway, so I'm already in a room full of strangers. But when I get pulled aside, I just want you to know that it makes me just a little on the tad bit side of uncomfortable, but it's momentary. I'm a servant girl, so when it's time to serve, that's part of serving. But here's what comes up more often than not, and I'm actually relieved when I hear this problem in the air quotes, more often than not. Women want to talk to me about the fact that they're not reading their Bibles. Phew! I honestly almost invisibly wipe my brow because when it's a very difficult problem, my heart just gets heavy because I can't sit and counsel a person at a conference in five minutes. But when somebody comes to me and says, Francie, I'm not reading my Bible daily. I love that problem. There's so many different ways you can fix that problem. I mean, let's just even start with the fact that if you're not a good reader, become a good listener. Plug the Bible in and listen to a Bible app and run it for a long period of time. You can even run it all throughout your day. You can run it on a drive. Most of our little average drives around town are about 15 minutes long. That's 15 minutes in the Word of God. And don't think that you won't have it penetrate your soul because it does. Scripture is spiritually discerned. You may not even be paying close attention and the Holy Spirit is working in your heart as the Word of God is playing as you're driving down the road. It is a good habit to develop reading the Bible daily. And I want to share some things with you today that'll encourage you to take the simplest training route when you're trying to teach yourself to develop a habit. I know we've often heard it said, oh, it takes 21 days. I disagree. I think it takes longer. I think we need to give ourselves more time to develop strong habits. I highly recommend 90 days. This is not original to Francie. You've heard it from other people. 90 days reading scripture. And at the end of 90 days, nobody has to tell you, go get your Bible and read. You'll be compelled to go get the word and spend time in it because you and God will become closer. Do you believe God is real? Do you believe he's as real as your best friend? Do you believe he's as real as your husband, your children, anybody you love? He is real. Sister friends, I think we have to shift our thinking so that we are spending time with a real person, and that person is Jesus Christ in the form of his word. So here's a simple way you've heard me say it before, if you've ever heard me say it at conferences, just read a proverb a day, start there and build your way up. I've timed it, and it takes about seven minutes to read a proverb a day, but what an enriching seven minutes. There's a reason why it is hard for us to read scripture. There's more than one reason, actually, but let me make sure you understand one of the reasons. One of the reasons why it's so difficult for us to stay in the Word of God daily is because it's so extremely valuable. 
anything of value always requires labor. And here's what happens. We've got an enemy who's real. And he knows that if we read the word of God daily, we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And we're going to be living our best lives because our best life is in Christ. Always remember that the enemy is a thief. It is so true that the enemy is always going to be bad and God is always going to be good. That is really the heart of John 10.10, where the thief cometh not but for to steal and kill and destroy. But what did Christ do? He came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. What's the thief busy doing trying to steal all that from us? What's one of his chief avenues? Keep people out of the word of God. Understand the strategy of warfare and understand that warfare happens every day, every moment of our lives. The best way to defeat a soldier in an army is to make sure they don't know their orders. Your orders are hidden from you, but they're hidden by you when you don't go into the Word daily. We need the Word. This life is getting more complicated, far more messy, more contentious than ever. We aren't going to be equipped to live it if we don't understand what our orders are. God wants to order our steps in His Word. Let's go through some practical observations from Proverbs, and I hope that at the end of this very short study, you'll feel like, oh yeah, I'm getting into the Word daily. That's it. I'm doing it. So let's just look at the value of studying a proverb a day. These are examples from Proverbs of the things you'll learn when you're studying Proverbs daily. Number one, Proverbs 17.1 says, better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than an house full of sacrifices with strife. You know what that verse is? It's a verse that tells us that financial security does not equal peace. How practical is that? That is so practical and so down to earth and so real. God is trying to show us that we aren't going to be better off by having more stuff. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with with food convenient for me, the word says. There's a middle ground that God has designed for his children, and it's the best place to be. But even if we're not right smack dab in the middle, a little less is better than too much. Better is a dry morsel, scripture says, and quietness therewith. You could have the house full of all the toys. You could have the three or more car garage. You could be able to take exotic trips to any place you want and still have money in the bank left over after you're done. And the Lord said, better is a dry morsel. You're better off if all you have are just very simple things in your life just enough in the groceries, just enough as far as your possessions, just enough and quietness therewith. You know that when we're not chasing after material things and giving our whole lives to laboring to have more stuff, our lives are quieter because you know what? We have more time. Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith and a house full of sacrifices with strife. Let God fine-tune your point of view about financial security. Number two out of our observations, and there's only five. God uses uncomfortable tests to refine us. Look at Proverbs 17.3. We're in the 17th chapter today. The finding pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. We don't like suffering. We fear it. And when it's happening to us, we have that very human-like tendency to want to cry into our pillow and say, why me? Do you want to do a shift in your thinking there? The very next time you have an uncomfortable test in your life, a trial that hurts, that's hard to the core, stop and think for a second that God is trying your heart. He wants to refine you. It's only when we're tried that we're purified and come forth as gold. So are you trying to say when you resist suffering and when you resist hard things, are you really intending to say, I don't want to be refined. 
I don't think that's what we mean. I think it's unintentional that we think that suffering is automatically bad. But the scripture tells us it's good. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The best educations come from some of the worst situations. We really have to shift our thinking. We're not quite able to do that on our own. That's another beauty of being in scripture daily because God shifts our thinking and he's so good at it. We stop seeing the trials as, oh no, this is awful. When will this end? I have the worst life. Nobody has a life worse than me. God must hate me for this. I can't understand why he's punishing me. We stop that kind of thinking, which is faulty and flawed. And instead, we humbly turn to God and we look at him like Job did and say, I came into this world naked. I'm going to go out of this world naked. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then we worship him. And you know what? After we get that kind of a mentality, when we humble ourselves before God and say, whatever you do in my life, I trust you, he starts to unfold the map for us. He orders our steps in his word. He doesn't allow any iniquity to have dominion over us, not even the iniquity of a bad attitude. And by the way, a bad attitude is sin because a bad attitude is a choice and it's a wrong choice. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We need to stop having these little pet sins that we tuck in the closet, hide from people, and try to act like we're all godly, when the truth of the matter is we've got rotten, stinking attitudes. A bad attitude keeps you from having an excellent spirit. Sister, friends, listen. We're going to get our rotation in this life of hard, soft, harsh, gentle, cloudy, sunny, sorrow, joy. It's just going to rotate again and again. Will we accept God's rotation? Or do we insist that it be sunny all the time? You know what happens when people get their way all the time. So God gave the Israelites their way in the Old Testament, and he gave them their heart's desire and sent leanness to their souls. In other words, oh yeah, you want to keep whining until you have your own way? Okay, here, you can have it. Watch how it does not satisfy you. We are just like the Old Testament nation of Israel. When we're whining and complaining, I want to go back to Egypt. I want my cucumbers. I want my onions. In our modern day vernacular, it'd be, I want a better job. I want my husband to be more attentive. I want this to go better. I want a bigger house. I want, I want, I want, and then my life would be perfect. And then we get that and we're not satisfied. What happened? It was never the stuff to begin with. It was our perspective. We need refining. In order to be refined, we need some fire. The fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. Number three in our practical observations from Proverbs, true friendship is continuous. Let's look at a verse that tells us about that. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity, it says in Proverbs 17, 17. Let's talk about the friend that does something that is immoral or illegal. Do you cut that friend off or do you continue to love that friend? According to scripture, a friend loveth at all times. But let's talk about that fallen friend because I think you already understand to love your other friends at all times. It's it's easy to do. But what about that fallen friend? How can you love them when they've done something that's so very wrong? Well, first of all, if they've done something illegal, you have to love them from a distance because more than likely they're going to have to pay for their crime by going to prison. If they are not in prison, but they've lost their position in the ministry, you can be an encourager from a distance. 
sending scripture, every now and then a text, every now and then a brief phone call. Your fellowship is going to be off for a season, but don't abandon people. If Christians won't love Christians, and if Christians won't help restore Christians, where do they have to go? Love your friends at all times, especially if they've fallen. Number four in practical observations from Proverbs, don't stay downhearted. Proverbs 17.22 says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Boy, are we ever seeing a contrasting picture there. Did you ever think about the fact that having a merry heart literally is good for your physical as well as your spiritual health? So then the opposite is also true, that if you're constantly down and you allow yourself to stay in a position of discouragement, that broken spirit is going to be horrible for your health. Don't stay downhearted. What is bothering you? It is so important that we get to the bottom of things that are bothering us so that we can start working on solutions. And we don't have to work on the solutions alone. Don't be prideful about having trouble. There's no shame in having problems. Everybody has problems, but it is a shame not to get counsel when you need it. You may be walking through something right now and you've been hiding it from people and you've been wrestling with it and every day is getting harder for you and darker for you. Stop it. You don't have to go on like that. You have an opportunity right now while you're hearing this to make up your mind that when you're done listening to this, you're going to place a phone call and you're going to seek godly counsel. But don't stay downhearted. Sit still for a minute. Take out a notepad and jot down what's bothering you. And then take those notes and pray them out before the Lord. Turn all of those issues into prayer requests and then seek godly counsel In your prayer, ask the Lord to lead you to who that counselor would be. He's so good at that. God knows exactly who can help you walk through what you're going through. Staying downhearted leads to very destructive behaviors. Emotionally, it's devastating. And we really can make ourselves long-term sick. You don't want to have long-term illnesses that could have been avoided simply by resolving some unresolved conflicts. Now, one more side note on that number four about not staying downhearted. Be careful that you don't start eating your feelings either. Just a little bit of talk here about stress eating. When we're under stress, we tend to try to fix that stress our way rather than God's way. God is a reconciler and God is a healer. We are fixer-uppers. It's not the same. (laughs) Not even close. Our little old fixer-upper efforts are not going to get to the bottom of things. But God, who is so rich in mercy and so, so abundant and bottomless in wisdom, he will help us get down to the real root cause of what's going on in our lives and why. If you've been engaging in some secret medication with food habits, that's not going to fix it. You know why? Because the problem isn't hunger, so food can't fix it. If you have been running to your kitchen and running to your fridge and running to your cabinets, if you've been doing that in secret, understand that your father in heaven sees openly what you're doing. And that's not his best for his child. You don't need to live like that. It's so much better if we'll let the Lord help us get to the bottom of what's bothering us so that he can restore unto us the joy of our salvation and that merry heart that he intended for us to have. And finally, number five. Keep your tongue on a budget. You'd learn this if you would have been in Proverbs 17. On the 17th of the month, you would see every single one of these verses we've covered. But Proverbs 17, 27 through 28 is a passage that actually 
makes me chuckle sometimes because of how it's written. He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Oh, my word, how much clearer, how much more pointed could we get? Spare your words. Keep your tongue on a budget. It's a demonstration of having an excellent spirit. You do not want to be thought a fool. And you don't want to act one, and you don't want to sound like one. But sometimes the words that come out of our mouths mark us, literally brand us. Welp, there's a fool. Listen to what she or he just said. It's a really good spiritual habit to learn how to shut the lips. That's what scripture said. It says, he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Even if you're not a person of understanding, people will think you are if you can figure out how to keep your mouth closed more often. But here's the thing. This is the I have no filter society. Don't copy that. That's not biblical. That's not gracious. That's not seasoned speech. That's tongue out of control. That's not godly. We want to learn to be the kind of people that have such seasoned speech, such gracious speech, that people look forward to hearing from us, and they look forward to what we might have to say. All of these practical observations are found in Proverbs. It's the value of studying a proverb a day. If you don't have a daily Bible study habit, I hope that you'll consider adding this habit to your life and doing it right away. Don't wait. Start right now. What's the date today? Read that chapter next or plug it in and listen to it out loud. You're going to be so much richer for it. You've been listening to Francie Taylor. For more from Francie, visit keeptheheart.com for devotionals, books, and the popular Bible study series, I See You in Christ Unconditionally. I See You is flexible by design and encourages users to develop the habit of daily Bible study. Visit KeepTheHeart.com today. Thank you for listening.